Welcome to Downstage Center, a presentation of XM Satellite Radio and the American Theater Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing. Today we're joined by Des Mackinoff. Des is the Artistic Director of the La Jolla Playhouse. He's a two-time Tony winner as Director and Writer for Tommy and uh, Big River. He also has two shows currently playing on Broadway, Dracula the Musical, which opened this past August, and Billy Crystal's 700... Uh, Sundays, which has just recently opened. Des, welcome to Downstage Center. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Billy Crystal, the hottest ticket in town, <laughs> literally, sold out and just like a hard ticket to get. Um, 700 Sundays refers to the short time that Billy knew his father. His father passed away when Billy was about 15. Exactly. Yeah. W- take it beyond what I just said as far as what the show is. Um, it's It's basically autobiographical, but it focuses... Uh, on Billy's personal life as opposed to his career, uh, which is, I think, one of the things that's surprising about it. It's it's really uh, about how Billy got to be Billy the person as opposed to, you know, Billy the actor or the, Billy the comedian. Um, he had just an unbelievably exotic upbringing. Uh, his uh, father ran the Commodore Music Shop on 42nd Street, and his uncle ran the Commodore uh, uh, jazz label, uh, the independent r- uh, record label. And so he was uh, you know, literally side by side with the, the greatest jazz musicians of, of the time as a little kid. And this had a profound influence on him. So it's, it's really about his you know, family of Jewish immigrants on one hand, and then this extended family of African-American jazz musicians. And about his growing up on Long Island, his childhood, that sort of thing, his relationship with his father, obviously. Absolutely. And it and it, it takes us into, you know, baseball and all of his various passions. And uh, I th- it's really like spending an evening in Billy's living room listening to him tell stories. And show family pictures and all that. Yeah, there's his father took a lot of... Uh, 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 home movies, um, and as uh, dangerous as that sounds, it actually uh, works really well as a kind of visual counterpoint to uh, Billy the Storyteller. We were joking before we began taping that uh, you have a meeting immediately after this with your actor, <laughs> and I commented, well, it's really with your actor and your writer, and as you tell this, it's an intensely personal story that Billy's trying to tell. How do you come into this as a director, into this terribly personal story that the person who lived it is going to tell and and work with Billy to shape that? Because Billy, of course, is a terrific actor, and we know him as a stand-up comedian, but it's, it's to my knowledge, the first time we've seen him on a theater stage. Yeah, I mean, he, he was trained as an actor as, as a young man, and, uh, you know, th- so theater is definitely a part of his background. In fact, he was in... A production of Arden of Faversham at La Mama in 1969, directed by Andre Serban. So he actually has a very deep theater roots. Uh, I, I think the the lightest they, they lead his bio with that particular credit. I'm <laughs> sure. Absolutely, that's right up there when uh, with the uh, when ha- Harry met Sally. Um, by the way, that's a fabulous play, Arden of Faversham. If, if you ever get a chance to to have a look at it, it's a, a, a it's a, like the first m- kind of murder mystery, and it's an an- anonymous Elizabethan uh, a comedy or a, a sort of dark comedy. Uh, at any rate, he's he's a very uh, 
you know, kind of unique performer in that he has many, many different talents. Uh, and we only really show off a few of them in this piece. I think the lightest side of my role is that, you know, if, if Billy were Johnny Carson, I would be Ed McMahon. Uh, you know, when you're doing a one-man show, particularly with, with a comedian, a lot of a lot of your job is, I think, uh, helping... Uh, the the performer discover what's funny and and you know to be kind of but reassuring Ed that way. laughed at everything, and isn't it your job to be able to say you know that doesn't land? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, a, a lot of what he does uh, lands, and and I think the most dangerous thing of doing one man show with somebody like Billy is that at a certain point, you know, you need an audience. And he'll start to just uh, make up stuff to keep me amused. Uh, and uh, also we have a, a writer, Alan Zweibel, who, who's helped uh, uh, Billy in the, in the writing of this piece. And at a certain point in the rehearsal process, uh, you know, he, he can end up, Billy can end up getting bored. And, and then the mission becomes just to entertain us, which is, can be somewhat treacherous turf. But, you know, I've really been involved uh, with Billy, I guess, on a more serious level as a kind of dramaturg and helping him shape the material. It's, it, it involves as much uh, of that kind of work as it does actual staging and, you know, the traditional uh, duties that go along with uh, directing a stage piece. Uh, and it's a very intimate, creative relationship when you're doing a, a you know, a solo performance piece uh, with uh, someone who's talking largely about their their own life. It, it is a, a uniquely intimate, uh, creative relationship. Well, here you have a, a situation, a, a, a single person up on stage basically talking about his life, as you said, unlike Golda's Balcony, where Tova Felchu played a character, unlike I Am My Own Wife, which you were involved with, of course, at La Jolla right. here in New York, uh, where Jefferson Mays played a character. Here you have a man talking about his own life. So as a director, as an artistic person, what do you do to make it more than just a guy talking? In other words, visually and artistically on the stage, dramatically? Well, you know, happily we do have a lot of kind of visual support material. And the the, the stories the uh, do break down uh, into scenes and episodes. And that allowed me to help Billy create a kind of visual structure. You know, interestingly enough, before... Uh, I was even aware of the title, 700 Sundays, which was a, a piece he had in a back drawer. Uh, before we even talked about that, we did uh, describe the set. Uh, he talked about the importance of, of his home growing up, of the house. And uh, uh, very early on, you know, I had this notion of using the windows as projection fields. And uh, and this was actually before the, 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 the theater piece became... a. Uh, uh, you know, formalized. Uh, so, you know, some of the process that, that that's led to 700 Sundays has been intuitive uh, as well. And we really found it, uh, you know, uh, as we went along. Uh, the way we worked is that uh, a lot of the pieces extemporaneous, um, but there are set bits, and obviously there are cues. There are, there are dozens of cues in the piece. So they're more or less set. It's a little bit like Commedia dell'arte, um, there are things that he can depend on, and then there are places in between where it's where it's more improvisational. 
But uh, what we did is basically we we he, we spent an awful lot of time just talking, talking about bits, talking about scenes, and then started writing down the scenes, the various bits on just on um, on, on cards. Created a storyboard in the room, and we were constantly reshuffling the uh, the storyboard as we searched for the the strongest structure for the piece. Well, you mentioned a moment ago about windows. The set is basically uh, Billy's childhood home in Long Beach, Long Island, and. That's the the atmosphere of, of of the stage setting, right? And and you know this this was also uh, you know we we did a two week workshop back in La Jolla in uh, April of uh, of last year of this of this year uh, a, uh, April of of four and we earlier we did a, a Billy did a, a a piece with the the comedian David Steinberg which was almost like an, an on stage talk show where some of this material you know, was involved. Uh, and we did that as a benefit performance the year before with a very simple setting, a couple of chairs, you know, it was, uh, you know, theatrical setting. And um, going into the workshop, uh, I, I had our designer, uh, uh, David Weiner, uh, you know, into a couple of meetings, and we talked about this this notion of using the house. And to my great amazement, our wonderful shop in La Jolla, where we have really extraordinary artisans, they came up with this set, which uh, we uh, and, and for this two week workshop, we really were fully tacked in La Jolla, which was a huge advantage going into this. Uh, and I think that's frankly the reason we're on Broadway. We were both able, Billy and I were able to look at this piece and go, you know, this is really ready, uh, kind of ready to go. Um, but we did kind of back into it. Uh, I first met him, I think it must have been 90, 1996. And we began talking about a solo show there. And then over the years, I've seen him on movie sets and so on. We just continued to kind of talk about it. And then, um, you know, went kind of racing out of the gate finally last spring. Now, you're doing this show immediately on the heels of having staged a new musical, Jersey Boys. Right. Back at La Jolla. Very different kind of show. Just been extended again, playing through the 2nd of January. Tell us about Jersey Boys and what's happening with that, because there's really such an extraordinary track record of musicals appearing first at Loya and turning up here in New York. Well, I've I've actually had a really strange year. I, I've I've got to say, I, I uh, a lot a lot of what's happened was not expected. We we didn't expect to go uh, this quickly on 700 Sundays. Um, you know, Jersey Boys, which is about Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Uh, I developed with Marshall Brickman and Rick Ellis, and we were kind of in writing mode through the winter on this. I mean, it was it, it's very it's it's a fresh, uh, freshly painted canvas. I mean, the, the paint is still wet on that. And then uh, Dracula, which we started back in '01, I, I was surprised that the producers wanted to to, to move on this. Uh, on this piece, on Dracula, this particular year after such a long delay. So I've actually been in rehearsal since uh, March, and thankfully the projects are all profoundly different. Um, Jersey Boys does involve some direct address. It's actually four seasons, and each season, it's it, we structured it as four seasons. It's you know basically spring, summer, fall, winter, and each season narrates uh, one part of the story. It's a little bit like Rashomon. But I think one of the reasons I, I've managed to keep my sanity is that uh, 
it's uh, I've I've been able to I guess compartmentalize these various shows, and they are really uh, tremendously uh, different. Um, early a year ago, I was doing this thing at Radio City about Sinatra, and that 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 was uh, that was actually handy uh, doing the Sinatra show because. Uh, um, I, I was able to research, uh, you know, Jersey and growing up in Jersey, and that applied in some way to the the the, uh, the Four Seasons project. You made an interesting comment about you were surprised that the producers wanted to bring Dracula in, so when they did, but you in fact have a long history as a producer, and you are in fact through your partners, the Dodgers, among the producers of Dracula. How, so, so how does that work for you as? As Des McEnough, the artistic director of a not-for-profit theater company, Des McEnough, highly sought-after, freelance commercial director, Des McEnough producer, do you find you're, you're going in different directions and, and different mindsets it's in all of those roles? Con- it's absolutely confusing. Uh, no, truly, at times it is confusing. But uh, to clarify just the, the producing side of this uh, – my producing efforts really are, are concentrated at La Jolla. I have a long-standing relationship with the Dodgers that goes back to uh, 1978. And in fact, it was uh, initially my name. We were desperate to get an application into the National Endowment, and we we were in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Academy at that time. And uh, I came up with a, a Dodger Theater at that time, and and my partners actually all loathed and detested the name. But uh, we only had a week, and nobody could come up with anything better. So, uh, ironically, now they've really moved on as the Dodgers. And while my name still appears in the biography, we have no formal financial arrangement. It, it, but generally, what happens is that when I'm I'm working in the the halls of commerce, they're uh, most often, the people that I work with, and that just has to do with familiarity and trust. You know, they're they're dear friends. Uh, I they've taken some remarkable chances uh, on me and with me, and uh, I think I and I've, I think I've, I've re- returned that favor. So uh, that would be the first place I would look if I if I happen to be developing a project that that seemed to have uh, commercial possibilities. And for our listeners, uh, Dodger Productions, of course, now one of the best-known names behind the scenes as a producing company. Just for our listeners, what other shows do they have currently or have they had in the past? Well, right now they have uh, 42nd Street Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, Dracula, of course. Uh, They've just opened a complex of of theaters called Dodger Stages, which is very, very exciting. Uh, uh, Off-Broadway size houses, the largest is uh, 499 seats. Uh, We did the Who's Tommy together. Uh, Big River. Uh, they did uh, both productions at Into the Woods, um, uh, Titanic. They, they really have a, a, a long track record. Uh, Guys and Dolls, uh, the revival of Guys and Dolls, yeah. and and uh, the revival of Forum. So uh, they have a, a re- really a pretty remarkable track record. What's interesting with the Dodgers, though, is going back to when, when we worked together at the Chelsea Theater Center, and at that time we did very. Uh, uh, really exotic and I think quite interesting work. I, uh, the first play I did with with Michael David uh, uh, and and my friends at the Dodgers was called uh, the Crazy Locomotive, uh, by uh, which is a kind of Polish surrealist play by Stanisław Witkiewicz. So uh, the the Dodger roots 
are really in, uh, you know, progressive and experimental theater. And that's, I think, what bonds us to this day. And I think it's very interesting that Dodger Stages is on the site of what used to be Madison Square Garden, not the current one that people may be familiar with. I remember as a kid going to the old Madison Square Garden to see the circus and all that. So here we have entertainment instead of a parking lot. It had become a parking lot after they tore down the old garden. Now we have entertainment back on the same location, which I think is terrific. Absolutely. We mentioned very briefly Dracula. We, I think we should talk about that for a minute or two because that opened on August 19th, one of the previews, the beginning of the month, and it's been running fairly well since then. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's 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 uh, it's it's uh, uh, done done uh, actually very well. It got uh, uh, absolutely uh, slaughtered by many of the critics, um, and uh, you know, and, and I'm not sure that, that it's entirely fair. It, it's it's really a thrill ride. Uh, the book is by. Christopher Hampton and Don Black, and they also wrote the the uh, the lyrics. And Frank Wildhorn uh, uh, wrote the the uh, composed the music, uh, and it's quite a faithful uh, version of Dracula. I mean, I, I'd wanted to go back to the Bram Stoker novel for a long time, even before the Coppola movie. Um, I, I actually talked to a I won't mention the name of the rock and roll composer, but I started work on this. Oh, more than about maybe about ten years ago, maybe even more than ten years ago, with a rock and roll celebrity who I thought would be a, an ideal composer, and we just uh, he couldn't quite get it together. And what's what's interesting is you have not sensationalized the story; you haven't made it camp. The people, the characters on stage, even Dracula himself, could be real people, absolutely, as opposed to cartoon characters or caricatures of what you might have done. What, why the decision to take it in that direction rather than a different way? You know, I th- the book, and, and it's like in this day and age, of course, everyone thinks they know the Dracula story and very, very few people have read the novel. The, the book is really creepy and disturbing and has many, many layers. And I, I became interested in this uh, as we approached the, 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 the turn of the century, which is, of course, when Dracula was written. There was this... I think profound fear in the air, uh, generally, but you know specifically in London, which was the, the you know the, the center of the empire at that time. And it seemed to me just to create all kinds of delicious parallels with contemporary America. Uh, the first third of the novel, in particular, is you know b- uh, brilliant and terrifying. And so while this is very hard to do uh, today because we've seen so many different versions of, of Dracula uh, and the camp versions, uh, 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 you know, li- you know uh, top, the, top the list, but we really wanted to, to uh, do what I think is quite difficult in the theaters is genuinely scare people. And there's also, of course, a, a strong uh, sexual undercurrent to, to Dracula, and we wanted to explore that um, as well. Uh, uh, but it, anyway, it was it was a, a really a, 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 a wonderful journey leading up to this, and and I think it's some of the most sophisticated uh, uh, technical spectacle, uh, uh, certainly currently on Broadway, and maybe even in the history of Broadway. So I'm very very proud of my uh, design team uh, and the, the people that did the flying. There, there, there's there's aerial work in this, like I think no other aerial work that. Uh, it's been seen. For one thing, you don't see any wires, right? And uh, so it's it, it was a great deal of fun on that side, just as a, a, a spectacle, and then as a more th- serious theater piece. It was it was fun to actually uh, try to establish um, uh, th- th- a kind of credible tone 
uh, for the story, which is definitely there in the novel. Plus more than one trap door on stage. That's right. And the, the interesting <laughs> if those trap doors are, are referred to as vampires, which goes back to John Polidori's uh, novel you know, that was uh, the famous uh, uh, story you know, that created the same night as, of course, uh, Frankenstein at this, the same dinner party. And uh, there was a, a successful production of that in the 20s in, th- uh, in, in, uh, uh, in uh, London, and it employed trapdoors. And so the nickname for trapdoors to this day is, you know, are vampires. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Now, as we talk, we're constantly referring back to the La Jolla Playhouse, and it's worth noting that you've, you really were there for the renaissance of the Playhouse, which dates back to the 40s. But in 1983, when it was reopened, you were there. You were there for about 10 years. You left for a period of time, were succeeded by Michael Greif, and then you've returned. But in the process, you have built yourself quite a theatrical campus there, and in fact, you're just adding more elements now. So can you just tell us about how... The Playhouse has changed over the now more than 20 years that you've been involved and what this, this newest era gives to the people in Southern California. Well, we've, we've built, uh, we're just about to open a, a, a brand new uh, theater and, in fact, a, a, an, an entire plant which kind of completes the facility. Uh, and it's a, a flexible space, a so-called black box theater, but a very large one. It seats uh, almost 500 people in uh, in a whole myriad of uh, uh, you know different uh, configurations. Um, we also are you know along with that there are beautiful rehearsal halls, three of them, which gives us four altogether, uh, right in the theater village. Uh, you know, additional shop space, design studios, beautiful administrative offices, uh, all, I think, with a kind of philosophical base. It's very much about openness and communication. There's a great deal of glass in this complex. Uh, We're opening a restaurant, which will have a cabaret. So it really, as I mentioned, is the complete theater village. And, um, you know, and it's really the fulfillment of a dream. It's it's the the place I want to work. And it's, 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 uh, uh, I just can't imagine uh, a better facility for developing work. I would say the main thing that's changed at the Playhouse over the 20 years is that we started off as a producing house. And we did have some uh, you know, substantial success uh, right away. Peter Sellers or uh, Robert Woodruff, an awful lot of directors contributed to that success. So this was very much a team effort. Uh, but we were noticed immediately. And the second season, we did Big River, which went on to uh, uh, some, you know, have, have substantial success on Broadway. Um, and that was that was you know i think good fortune as much as anything because i think we were it was it was kind of at that point on the job training with with a, a new musical um but the main difference is that rather than just being a producing house the playhouse is now a development you know really a, a a development center uh we do this program called page to stage where i am my own wife was developed and in fact so was uh, 700 sundays which is uh, a program that we where we uh, perform, but we continue uh, rehearsing uh, during the days, even with an audience, and we keep the critics away. And we go on sometimes for weeks this way, uh, doing talkbacks with the audience, you know, getting them somewhat involved in the creative process. We do a lot of readings. We do a lot more commissions. We have uh, 
this an, enough space that we can do that kind of work comfortably, and that would have been unthinkable uh, in the early days. Uh, and the new facility really is as much about deepening the work we do as we're, we're not going to get a lot bigger in terms of the full productions. We do six a year. Maybe we'll get to seven at some point. But what it's the work below the surface um, that will really mushroom with this uh, uh, new facility. And uh, I think that's really important. You know, you need that laboratory work if you're going to advance the art form. Um, and that's even true with musicals, which is only, of course, a small percentage of the work we do. But, uh, you know, I, I often think back to Joe Papp's, uh, you know, vision and brilliance working with Michael Bennett to develop a course line in that series of workshops. That's the kind of work that doesn't happen very much in the American theater these days. And I hope La Jolla will um, you know, continue to be a, a center for uh, developing a, a brand new work. And, and you know, I, I think it's a place where artists can come and take risks. Now you're talking about developing work, and you've had a number of very successful La Jolla productions that have moved to Broadway, such as Billy Crystal, such as Dracula, such as I Am My Own Wife, such as Big River. How much of an imperative, how important is it to La Jolla to develop work for Broadway? Is that part of the consideration, moving a show to Broadway? Or, is, or do you try to create just for La Jolla and then like, hey, this is pretty good. Let's take it to Broadway. In other words, how important is Broadway relative to what's going on at La Jolla? You know, I, I think it's become uh, uh, an important, uh, uh, you know, uh, part of our work in that it makes the Playhouse quite uh, visible. Uh, and uh, it, it generally we don't mention the B word. There have been, the yeah, a couple of exceptions. Uh, one exception would be how to succeed in business without really trying with Matthew Broderick. This followed the uh, our production of The Who's Tommy, and we knew that in that case the show was going to Broadway. That's the only one I can think of offhand. Uh, and while it, it sounds unlikely because it, it did go into substantial success, even with Tommy, there was absolutely no talk of Broadway until it had been running for something like three months. And then very sheepishly, I mentioned it to Pete Townsend and uh, Michael and the others saying, I mean, shouldn't we start talking about maybe taking this into the city? Um, on the other hand, I think because we've had some success that way, there are commercial producers who think of La Jolla as a good place to develop work. And so we get a number of projects submitted to us where perhaps the commercial producers have that uh, uh, interest. Uh, Broadway, is, as an investor, is really like kind of going to the track. So uh, it's not something I would ever do with uh, Playhouse money. I would never invest in uh, a, a commercial production. I say never. I'd have to be awfully convinced that, that that money was saved because, of course, it's public money. Um, on the other hand, if a, a play has the possibility of achieving some commercial success, I'm very interested in that income stream for the theater because it allows us to do uh, some of the uh, crazier and the zany and uh, maybe more dangerous work uh, that we do. But generally, I'm, a, I'm pretty superstitious about not bringing up. There are always other alternatives to Broadway. You know, there are other resonant theaters, and there are there's there's the road, there's London, there's so I I, I my my own um, uh, kind of philosophy on this is that if you want to be sure not to go to Broadway, then talk about it a lot. You know, uh, I think uh, you know I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit better to. Um, 
you know, to, to just kind of see what you have. Um, we do partner often with commercial producers. Uh, they give us uh, enhancement money because it's it's one of the few ways you can actually develop a musical. We have very strict rules about that, though. When we're producing a play at La Jolla, we have the artistic control of that project. If somebody else has the rights, of course, they inherit that control after the, the project moves on. Des, before we wrap up, I want to read you a quote, and you may recognize the speaker. Um, Young people are being told the security depends on something other than social justice, which is just not true. Historically, if you step on someone's face, eventually they're going to bite your foot. There's no notion of looking at the world from anyone else's point of view. That's not only unhealthy, it's dangerous. The world is becoming an extremely complex place, and we have an obligation to understand how systems function, exactly as Shakespeare did in his histories, with these tetralogies that cover masses of time and tie to see what the structures were, how people climbed the ladder, what the relationship was between religion and politics, the idea of starting a foreign war to take the heat off the domestic situation, these things are still happening in Washington as we speak. The theater should be exploring not only psychologically, but also politically, morally, spiritually, and we can't be snobs about it. That is Des Mackinoff <laughs> in 1985. Oh, my heavens. I am wondering, <laughs> at a distance of 20 years, do you feel you've had the opportunity to do some of that work and explore that work? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely have, and I've, I've been very fortunate. Uh, one thing I've, I haven't been able to manage to do is to uh, produce that uh, entire tetralogy, you know, uh, Richard II through uh, Henry V, which I am dying to do. And everyone at the theater knows that I really want to do that. Uh, perhaps I would, you know, share the, the directorial helm with, with other directors on a, a project, but that is the ultimate large canvas piece and I would before I you know before I uh, dive into the grave I would really like to pull that one off um, I, I I think I've I've been very fortunate and and uh, we in fact part of our mandate we describe the playhouse as a, as a, 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 a you know as a, a, a political and uh, a moral uh, a social moral p- platform which is a, a quote actually from Tyrone Guthrie um, I think these are more difficult times to do serious work, and I think there's no question about that. Uh, I'm, I, it's one of the reasons I'm so pleased with the success of I Am My Own Wife, uh, which is a very, uh, uh, you know, remarkably charming performance by Jefferson Mays, but a very, very serious piece uh, of theater indeed. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the Playhouse has managed to continue to do, uh, to take on serious work. Uh, it, 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 it's very important to, to me, whether it's a musical or a new play or a, a classic, that that the theater tackle pertinent matters, you know, contemporary issues. Um, the, the the you know the theater needs to be a window to the world that we actually live in, and uh, I've never uh, uh, changed in that regard. I, I'm not sure I could get out of bed just to amuse people. Uh, it's important to me that that uh, we continue to tackle, uh, you know, serious subjects. I, I think in this day and age, though, uh, it, 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 it's challenging, and it's challenging in part because we live in such fearful times. Uh, people look to the theater uh, for different things than and than I think they did before nine eleven. Uh, I think everyone who works in the theater has observed a, a, a pretty profound change in audiences' appetites. 
uh, uh, you know, since uh, 9-11. Nonetheless, the, the, I think the struggle is to continue to uh, use the theater as a, a vanguard for, for social change. It's not just a mirror. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, I think, if you don't accept the way things are, the theater is, uh, you know, is, is, is one way of, of uh, helping to change the world we live in. Well, Des Makinoff, at the beginning of the program, we said that you have to run off to a meeting with the entire cast of <laughs> 700 right. Sundays, uh, Billy Crystal, and uh, I introduce you as the artistic director of the La Jolla Playhouse. Real quick, for the new season, we know that Jefferson Mays returns in January, I guess it is. To La- is it? Actually, it's not until the, the uh, later in the season. It's later not season. until August. Oh, yeah. oh really? Okay. Yeah. But, so he's uh, returning mm-hmm. to La Jolla right. in I Am My Own Wife. And uh, exactly, and uh, we're doing a, a Lee Blessing play called the Scottish Play, uh, which is a kind of lampoons theaters like La Jolla Playhouse, uh, which which should be a great deal of fun. I'm doing a Mark O'Donnell uh, of a Fado Farce, uh, his version of a, a Fado Farce, which is called uh, uh, Private Fittings, the provocative title of, pr- mm-hmm. of Private Fittings, which um, actually uh, is uh, the first uh, new uh, first play in the new Potiker. Uh, theater, and then I'm I'm also going to do a a new musical. It's a, called the uh, the the Screwball musical, a, a Palm Beach. It's called, which is a um, you know it starts off examining the the uh, typical maybe quintessential American family, and then as of course as you start moving the rocks, you discover the maggots. I think it's a very very funny. Uh, 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 you know, a funny uh, a piece of theater. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, Des Mackinoff, the artistic director of La Jolla Playhouse, currently two shows running on Broadway, Billy Crystal, 700 Sundays, and Dracula the Musical. Thanks very much for being with us today on Downstage Center. Thanks for having me. For the American Theater Wing, I'm Howard Sherman, reminding all of our listeners that these programs and all of the media and educational programs of the American Theater Wing are available as free streaming audio and video from our website, www.americantheaterwing.org. And for XM Satellite Radio, I'm John Von Susten. For Downstage Center, that's a wrap, and thank you.